This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Mark Twain, Orson Welles, and Will Rogers were all beloved entertainers with razor-sharp minds, but they were also captivating raconteurs. They knew how to tell a story that would hold an audience's attention so tightly that nothing could break it. They lived fascinating lives and channeled their experiences into books, films, songs, and even the occasional dinner party conversation. But one man stands above them all, in more than a few ways. His accomplishments would have been enough for ten men, but there was only one Peter Freuchen. Peter was born in Denmark in 1886. His average childhood was all because his father insisted on him having a normal life— Peter's father had quite the influence on him, urging him to pursue academics and get a medical degree at the University of Copenhagen. But Peter wanted more. There was a whole world out there waiting to be discovered. He craved the outdoors, not a stuffy classroom. So not long after beginning his schooling, Peter dropped out. He joined the Denmark expedition of 1906 on a voyage to Greenland's northeastern coast, alongside the famous explorer, Knud Rasmussen. He and Rasmussen became partners. Once they traveled as far north as the frigid waters would allow, they abandoned their ship and rode a dog sled for the rest of their journey. They traded with the local Inuit, who were both grateful for the goods they brought as well as Peter's imposing stature. You see, polar bears were a particular threat in the area, and Peter, all six foot seven inches of him, looked like he could have taken one on with his bare hands. In fact, he used the fur from one that he had killed to make himself a new coat. Peter learned the Inuit native language with the help of Rasmussen, setting up a trading post which he named Thule. It would be a base of operations for many of their expeditions between 1912 and 1933. He didn't start small with his life of independent exploration, either. He and Rasmussen chose to test the theory that a channel separated Greenland from Land, a peninsula just off the coast. They traveled across 620 miles of ice to find out. During their trip, the men were hit by a massive blizzard. Peter tried to avoid its wrath by waiting it out under his dog sled, but the snow was coming down too strong and too quickly. Before he knew it, he was entombed under a mountain of snow that soon hardened into ice. Peter hadn't bothered to grab the knives and daggers out of his pack before he got snowed in. Death was creeping in on him. And then he got a brilliant and gross idea. He sharpened his frozen feces into a dagger and dug his way to freedom. Unfortunately, his time in the ice had done considerable damage to one of his legs and frostbite had begun to set in. He didn't seek medical attention once he'd returned to camp, though. He chose to handle the problem himself by cutting off his blackened toes and amputating his own leg, all without anesthesia. In its place, he fitted himself with a wooden peg leg. 
After that, Peter took a break from his Arctic exploration and settled down with a local Inuk woman named Makupaluk, who accompanied him home to Denmark. He and Rasmussen started lecturing Danish audiences on their travels, and Peter got involved in politics. He and his wife even had two children during his time there. Sadly, she passed away from the Spanish flu in 1921. But Peter remarried, this time to a fellow Dane named Magdalene Vang Luridsen. He continued to write, now focusing on books about his life, and took a job as an editor-in-chief of a magazine that his wife's family owned. He also became a film producer. Together with MGM Studios in America, he adapted one of his books into an Oscar-winning film in 1933. Peter appeared on screen in the role of a ship captain, perhaps one of the earliest known instances of typecasting. He and his second wife remained together for 20 years before they split during World War II. It probably wasn't easy being married to a man who was running off to fight injustice wherever he went. Despite the peg leg and his advanced age, Peter joined the underground Danish resistance movement against the Nazi occupation in Denmark. Anytime he witnessed an act of anti-Semitism, Peter would step forward and claim to be Jewish. No one wanted to mess with a six-foot-seven, pegged-leg Jewish explorer who had made his own coat out of a polar bear skin. But the truth was, he couldn't beat everybody. His work with the Danish resistance got him noticed by Hitler himself, and he was captured by the Nazis in France. He was set to be executed, until he broke out of prison and escaped to Sweden. Just before the war ended, Peter got married for a third and final time, and moved to New York, his adventuring days behind him. He focused his attention on his film career, and continued to write novels and memoirs about his travels. He even made an appearance on the 1950s game show, The $64,000 Question, becoming the fifth person in the show's history to win the jackpot. Peter grew older and just kept adding more items to his seemingly endless list of accomplishments. Sadly, Peter Freuken passed away on August 30th of 1957 of a heart attack. His ashes were scattered back in Thule, his home away from home and where he had met his first wife. The world lost a living legend that day. An Arctic explorer who had cut off his own limb, fought the Nazis, acted in and produced his own movies, and always had a story to tell, no matter where he went. Peter's father had always wanted a quiet, stable life for his son. But I think we can all agree that his failure as a parent turned out to be... A wonderful thing. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com.
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indul- your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. They call it development hell. When a studio buys the rights to a movie, it often takes years before a single shot is ever filmed. However, if development goes through numerous screenplays, writers and even directors on the way to production, it's said to be caught in development hell. And for many of those films, they just never make it out. Sadly, that list of films is long, and many of them are well known. But way at the bottom is a film that few have heard about called The Incomparable Atuk. It was a fish-out-of-water satire, written in 1963 by Mordecai Richler. It follows the story of Atuk, an Inuit from Baffin Island off the coast of Canada. In the film, he finds his way to the mainland, and soon becomes the fascination of Toronto's elite. The more time he spends with them, the more famous he becomes, and eventually comes to embody the same greed and excess of his hosts, forgetting where he originally came from. In the 1970s, the book caught the attention of Norman Jewison, a Canadian director who launched to fame after directing Judy Garland's famous comeback special in 1961. He went on to direct several award-winning motion pictures, including In the Heat of the Night and Fiddler on the Roof. It took several years to put together a screenplay and get the project greenlit by a studio, but by the early 1980s, Jewison was ready to begin casting. His first choice to play Atuk had been Saturday Night Live alum John Belushi. This was around January or February of 1982. However, on March 5th of that year, Belushi was found dead of a drug overdose in a Los Angeles hotel. With their star tragically lost, the film sat in limbo. Then, in 1986, stand-up comic superstar Sam Kinison jumped on board, insisting on playing the title character. According to people involved in the production, Kinison didn't even read the script before accepting the role. He showed up to set and managed eight days of shooting in full costume, but he didn't like the script and stopped production to perform rewrites. Naturally, the studio wasn't happy about that, and they filed a lawsuit, which put the project on hold for another several years. Before it could resume, though, Kinison died in a tragic car accident. But the Hollywood machine kept churning, looking for a lead actor for the film. 
Next in line was John Candy, who was interested in the role, but needed time to read the script before he would accept. A few months later, he died of a heart attack without ever having made a decision. He'd also given friend and screenwriter Michael O'Donohue a look at the script. O'Donohue had been known to have chronic migraines, but suddenly passed away of a cerebral hemorrhage the same year. It seemed like any actor who approached the role of a took met a tragic end. But every few years, the script would surface again and make another attempt at production. In 1997, it felt like the right year to try, as another former SNL cast member found himself on the top of the casting list. Chris Farley had become a comedy icon by the time he had turned 33, but died of a drug overdose only months after reading the script, just like John Belushi. And just like John Candy before him, Farley had sent the script to a friend and fellow SNL cast member named Phil Hartman. Hartman died five months later. Since then, no one has tried to revive the Atuk project for production, which is probably a good idea since no director was looking to cast an actual Inuit for the role anyway. But beyond that, it appeared as though the film was cursed from the start, what with comedy legends suddenly dying after coming in contact with the script. There are a lot of unanswered questions surrounding the entire ordeal. But one thing is certainly clear. For everyone involved, Adapting the incomparable Atuk was no laughing matter. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Stay curious.